Welcome to Numb Bills Fan Podcast, episode number 157. I am your host, David Palermo, and if you haven't checked it out, head over to numbbillsfan.com, get all your Numb Bills Fan content, and also, please subscribe to the podcast, and shoot a follow everywhere on Instagram, Facebook, and also Twitter, uh, wherever you like to go. Um, I'm going to be more active on Facebook because I guess that's where the conversation's at. I am using Reddit a lot. I really like Reddit. Um, but if anybody's just tuning in now, Nathan Peterman just got benched or uh, just got announced as a starter. And uh, kind of a big deal in Buffalo for Tyrod Taylor to be benched. And on the line with us, we have Nick Pop from the Red Pencil Tailgate and Mike Smith, the guru, Mike Smitty, the fantasy guru. So... Anybody want to say hi? What up? Hi, Dave. <laughs> hey, guys. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're waiting for cues, Dave. Did you say Nick Pop? Like Papa Jealous? That's me. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Is Mike Smith from Brockport? <laughs> that it is, buddy. How you been? Good, man. How are you? Oh, man. Can't complain. You know, life is, is good. Is, Yo, you guys, you, guys, you guys know each other? This is Coach Nuge's dream right here for us to have a phone call. <laughs> Absolutely. In high school. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're Brockport alum, Dave. So you know, shout out to Bport. But go on, Dave. All right. Well, I'm glad you guys could reconnect. If you want to, you know, twist each other's chains or something somewhere else, that's cool. Let me know if you want to get the coach involved. You could probably line up on your own end. So we had a quarterback in Buffalo just get benched in Tyrod Taylor, and I just want to rail through my thoughts real quick. Then we'll shoot over to Nick, uh, and then we'll shoot over to Mike. I'm going to shut off the channel because I hear a little swishing in the background for a little bit, and then I'll be back with you. So um, initially when this came through for me, I thought it was kind of crazy that um, Tyrod Taylor would get benched. It was very crazy. And I'm sitting at this game, and it was the first game I actually left. I did not watch one snap in Nate Peterman. I could not believe that Tyrod Taylor does not have the ability to audible out of a play. Uh, I mean, first play of the game, um, I'm sure Nick saw it, which Nick will touch back because we're going to shoot it to Nick in a minute here. Um, but first play of the game, I see that matchup we talk about. Oh, there's Calvin Benjamin all by himself, one-on-one. And what's Tyler Taylor do? He stares down McCoy and throws it to him. What's that tell me? His first read was McCoy. Why is that? Are we? Uh, and, and for me, the offense just seems like it's trying to outsmart itself here. And again, we have an abomination of a coaching staff where offensively they have not proven to me to – Warrant that they know what the fuck they're doing to bench Tyrod Taylor. Um, you have a defense that is just getting run over. I mean, Jerry Sullivan asked the most. The only time I like Jerry Sullivan is when he has this question, which is to Tyrod Taylor along the lines of, do you think it had to do anything with the uh, defense having its worst game in 10 years? You know, I mean, it, it, Drew Brees and the Saints came in to defend your dirt. 
And you're letting these guys jump in the stands. And shout out to Jamie Tilbury for getting kicked out of the game for throwing his beer on Ingram. Ingram, go fuck yourself, dude. I mean, actually, it's kind of funny. But it was really pathetic when you got this mantra shit of defend your dirt. Defend your dirt. Yeah, that's defending your dirt. So you know what we're going to do? Whatever the fuck we want to do, which is bench Tyrod Taylor. And I was just out of my mind. And then I kind of thought about it. And I have to remember... I'm not just a fan. I have been thankful to Grandstand Sports Network and specifically Eric Turner for hooking me up to get on the sidelines at camp. And I have to remember, I did get to see Nathan Peterman one-on-one at camp when other people didn't in 11-on-11 drills. And I will tell you firsthand, it's a different offense with Nathan Peterman. And I'm also the guy you have to keep in mind that wanted Brian Brown to start. And I also wanted... Jeff Tool to get in there because I thought EJ Manuel's arm just absolutely sucked. And if you think about the path of Jeff Tool, yeah, he had a crappy game, a game or two. And next thing you know, uh, kids pretty much what just shuffling around. I think he was a bat. He might still be the backup in Jacksonville. I'm not sure. But my point. Is he okay? So he's at Wegmans. My point is, <laughs> is this coaching staff has proven to me that they don't even know how to come in and, and look at the film. Tyrod Taylor did not change the offensive line scheme. Tyrod Taylor did not trade away players that finally he had an offseason with Sammy Watkins more than ever. It wasn't a full offseason like OTAs, but he finally had like a camp with them. You know what? Fuck it. Let's just ship him off, man, because we're smart. We're moneyballing this. Huh? Long story short, I got over it. Okay, at camp, I really realized that it does. it's a totally different offense with Peterman in it. And, and frankly... We got to see what we got here because you're getting pieces for the offensive side of the ball. You got a Hall of Famer in LaShawn McCoy who, for some reason, they can't figure out who to give the fucking rock to. And if you listen to um, Coach Dennison, when they, when the media was railing Chan Gailey that it was Fred's turn over C.J. Spiller, WGR took that and crushed it out of the park, right? How come people aren't taking... Uh, Offensive coordinator Dennison talking about Tolbert just saying, well, he's just part of the rotation. It's not Tyrod Taylor's fault that they're calling a swing pass to Mike fucking Tolbert, and it's not Tolbert's fault either. But what's funny is if Tolbert actually has like .1 yard more rushing than McCoy, believe it or not, I guess per average, something crazy. So Tolbert... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's not doing per se awful. My point is, is this. So I go through all these emotions... The Bills need to get a proper evaluation of the offense. And if you want to pull a Jedi mind trick on your own division where you have four games within the division left with the Pats and the Dolphins, well, this is kind of like a Belichick-y kind of, if you want to move, I was telling Smith earlier on the phone, like, how cute it was. And he's like, yeah, you're reading too much into it. But really, it's nice because if it takes a team, it, what if this offense is totally different, Right. The thing I keep dinging back to, guys, and then I'll get to you, um, Nick, is the thing I keep getting back to here as I'm going through the notes is if these guys can't trust, if McDermott has such a big notebook and he can't get this offensive coordinator thing figured out, okay, and you're trying to preach accountability down the line, and here we are just jamming fucking square pegs into round holes, um, I, I, and, and we could have all these talks and all this, you know what, we're going to have time to regroup bullshit. But the problem is, is you're taking a playoff team right now and you're taking a gamble. That said, 
I'm hoping that this defense can at least get off the field for a little bit longer than a couple minutes at best. You know what I mean? A little bit longer than four plays. So it really tactically is a great move. But what I'm worried about is that we put trust in these people and we trust that they're going to draft a quarterback. Like, like this same stat, like it better not be for this offensive coordinator. I'll tell you that. So I'm worried about this whole rinse repeat. Here we go again. So that's essentially where I'm at. Nick Pop, I don't know if you want to take it over from here. Um, but yeah, those- no, I agree. You know what they say, though? If, if Tyrod Taylor wanted to keep his starting job, he should have limited the Saints to under 300 yards of rushing. Right, right. Hold, was, hold on one sec. Hey, Mike, Mike, can you move your mic out for a little bit till I call on you? Gotcha. Thanks, dog. Love you. Um, all right, there you go, Nick. So, I, I mean, yeah, honestly, if he stopped the run, he should have. Uh, if you want to keep a starting job, he should have helped him stop the run. Um, but all honestly, I mean, people say the 56 yards and they, and they throw that now we're around like, yeah, there's so many just bad penalties. On the team, uh, I mean, what's his name? Uh, Charles Clay had that, uh, like a what thirty-yard game that was and t- roughing the passer penalty that was taken back because Deontay Thompson had a whole thirty yards down the field. It was just everything was bad, and he kind of caught the brunt of it, which is, I mean, maybe kind of kickstarted kind of the baseball when the right. Like a coach gets thrown out of the game, like maybe it jumps out at the offense, and that might be what they're going for. Maybe it's like um, the the Saints are. are uh, I just right now are looking at this saying, "Hey, we got prepared for Tyrod Taylor too. Maybe it's just a smoke screen, so they don't prepare the play against Tyrod because Anthony Lynn might know his tendencies and be able to coach against that." Yeah, exactly, and. That's why I'm kind of thinking it is like a little bit of a tactical advantage. It is kind of cute. It it could be looked at like a genius move. And, I mean, I want to ride with McDermott, man. I really do. I was giving him high praises. But, I mean, I'm so sick of seeing coaches come in here. And and, and I really think, believe it or not, of all people, a lot of people like to rail. And I'm going to send him a nice email. I was so stoked. Mike Shope has actually, I think, has the best take of this situation overall as far as an emotional and political take. And I know you might not like him, but I'm telling you, Nick, if you can pick up 20, the, the opening segment of Hour 1 on Wednesday, I think he, he nails it. Um, and it, it, it's really like uh, it, he makes it seem like they've wanted to do this all along. and. Yeah. And, and honestly, it's this bullshit they haven't given them audible. It's, I mean, he's basically running a very vanilla offense out there. Last year, they it was so comp- complex and they had so many like weird fucking runs and jet sweeps that have just this vanilla ass offense that he's been kind of mediocre in. Um, I mean, I I hope it works out. I'm a Bills fan first. I I don't give a fuck who plays where. I think they should have probably benched Preston Brown and Lorenzo Alexander before benching Tyrod. Those guys just got fucking caught in the wave every time there was a, a lineman there. They could not shut up lot to save their fucking life. Right. Yeah, and, and I think um, what I wanted to ask you, too, is, you know, in the game, you know, it, it's like, okay, actually, let me shoot Mike. You there? 
Yeah, I'm listening. I'm listening. All right, buddy. <laughs> Mike, you, you take you take it from here. Um, where where are you seeing this? What were your emotions? Are you worried about this being a rinse repeat cycle like I am? Like, I'm not I, worried about a rinse repeat cycle. I mean, honestly, what um, the Bills have in their favor, why they were even able to make this call, is the AFC is looking incredibly weak right now so i think they could use a poor game for tyrod taylor as an excuse to pull him which was crazy because the coach a day prior was like no tyrod's our guy you know we have to do better as a team tyrod's our guy and then the next day it was this is my decision we need to do this so um i'm skeptical and i don't think the move is correct However, given the teams that are below Buffalo right now, which is Baltimore, Oakland, Miami, they're all four and five, and then the Jets are four and six, and then Houston, without a quarterback, they're not going anywhere. The Bengals, now, granted, we have to play the Chargers this weekend, and that was the one thing I was worried about coming into this weekend. I could see the move, but they couldn't make the move after a win so they had to do it now if they were going to do it being that they wanted to do it which is clear to see because they did it um they couldn't have made it after they played the chargers had they beat the chargers it would have been even more insane for them to you know pull their starting quarterback who at that point could potentially be you know six and four and have a a solid step in a solid um road to the playoffs um the thing is, I think that right now, five and four, there's a chance a team's going to get in from the AFC that's nine and seven. So when you look at everyone's schedules and the way everyone's playing beyond um, Pittsburgh and New England, it's not as cluttered as you would have thought like at the beginning of the season i mean you looked over the buffalo bill schedule you said how many games can they possibly win look at how tough this schedule is you look at it now and you're like eh, we got the dolphins twice yeah we got to pay the patriots twice but overall you're looking at the remaining portion of the schedule it looks pretty easy um the fact that they pulled tyrat taylor is insane um i don't know we're going to find out Sunday. I mean, at the end of the day, we're going to find out if they actually saw something that warranted this in practice. Because unlike uh, the difference between Tom Savage and Watson, um, that was a drastic difference. And after they made the move, you asked the question, why didn't Watson start the season? Um it may not be as extreme because at this point, Tyrod Taylor, whether he plays for Buffalo again or not, he is going to be a starting quarterback next year for a team. Um, the national news is he is at the very least in that 15 to 20 range, which means he will start for somebody that needs a quarterback next year. Um, being that the Bills benched him, unless something crazy happens this weekend with Peterman, it's unlikely that he'll ever suit up for the Bills again. So at this point, I first looked at it, I was like, are they trying to throw it? But when I looked at the standings and I looked at the teams below, I'm like, I don't know how you really can throw it with how bad everyone else is playing. So, I mean, the kid's got some 
pretty impressive YouTube videos where he can do trick shots. So maybe he can pull some magic out of the uh, the old trick shot bag and uh, do something special on Sunday. And which is hard because rookies and winning in the NFL, it's not a combination. I mean, there's a few exceptions to the rule, but rookie quarterbacks don't win whether you're a Hall of Famer or not. So um, yeah, we'll see. Agreed, man. Definitely. It, it, it seems like so it's either a desperate move or even a power move. Uh, hey, Nick, can you talk a little bit? Right now, can, I can bench anybody I want. I'm the fucking coach. You're going to lead. You're going to do it my way. Or you're not going to fucking play. Uh, it, it, I mean, that's kind of what it's looking like right now. It's, hopefully, it's just that jump start to, like, wake everybody up and get their heads out of their ass here. Well, yeah, and that that's actually one of the things, like, if you look at it from that perspective, if you're any player on that team, there's no way any one of them on that team was just like, yeah, they're going to bench Tyrod Taylor. No. So, like, their thinking now is if they can bench Tyrod Taylor, they can bench any one of us, and we, too, have to step up our games because there's a lot of those players that – they feel, as an athlete, Nick, you know this too, they have to have some sort of sense of, you know, I feel like it was partly my fault that he is now sitting on the bench because had we played better as a team these last two weeks, he would not be benched. You know what I mean? And it's a team game. So, um, you know, the first game against the Jets where they got ran all over, the Saints saw the film and they said, hey, let's do that but we have better running backs and they did and they exceeded what even the Jets did. So um, they really need to clean it up this weekend, especially on the defensive front side next week. Can I ask you guys a question real quick? So um, for one, it sounds like you guys hit that whole thing of giving a shock to the team deal. Okay. And that's, I guess like my friend Mike Sawyer was saying about hockey, like you would do that with the goalies sometimes, which I don't yeah. understand. Cause I don't really follow hockey too tight. So, um, what I want to re- turn that into is, is this the offensive coordinator's last straw? And if so, um, it, I don't I don't see it going anywhere midseason because Sean McDermott would look really unstable to the national media and, and, and the Bills would immediately look like the fucking Browns. And this really is, yeah, the more I think about it, the right most... Back. This is the most tactical thing they can really do, and this is, to me, the last straw, which is, um, you know, I was very patient with Rex. I was very patient with even Doug Marone about it. It took me until about, until this exact moment where they're, like, not putting the players in position to succeed time after time again, but it was when Nathaniel Hackett said, oh, yeah, we finally put on the film to see how C.J. Speller was used. And I remember tweeting Sal Capaccio like, Sal, like, why don't the coaches just look at the film? And he answers me back. He goes, Dave, it's just ego. It's coach's ego. And it's like, you know what sucks about that, guys? Is these guys are just tailor their freaking schemes. Oh, my God. They would just win. And it sucks like that we know our personnel better than these guys do. And we're not rocket scientists. You know, it's like, hey, call me. Oh, what do you think? I don't know. Uh, that much, but I can at least guide you to people who have played the game, and I can tell you what I see and put on top of that. I'll tell you I think this guy's career isn't over. I'll tell you, it's, you know what I mean? Et cetera, et cetera. Fair shot, bad shake. Was it a media thing? Yeah, I can sort through that for people, you know? And, and this whole benching thing is really crazy because 
as Shope said, he better be right. You know, and it was it, it, I, I really agree with it. He better be right because yeah. uh, last I checked, McDermott's done nothing to prove it to me. Either to Brandon Bean that they're really like you're telling me Carolina is such a great franchise to fucking pick from. Yet, uh, dude, you fired your GM. How how stable's that? You know what I mean? Like they yeah. they, they make these ball moves. What do you think, Nick? I agree, man. It's, it's the their new regime, and they're they're trying to do it their way, and they're not adapting what was there. But you know, on the other side of that, what was there, and these guys that were attached to, they're not making the playoffs. They're not really winning. As much as we want them to win, they're not. Uh, I mean, I, I'm using a lot of baseball analogies. Uh, a few years ago, the Marlins fired Ozzie Guillen, and they got rid of Jose Reyes and Mark Burley. And they got rid of all these guys, and everybody went nuts. Like, why would you get rid of all these stars? And he goes, these stars finish in fifth place in the NL East. Why would you want me to keep them? And I always kind of think that, like, right now, with Tyrod getting cut, when you know, Mario Williams is getting cut, and you're getting rid of these guys. Yeah, they were a star, but... We're not winning. We're not. We're not in the promise land. We're not in the playoffs. Do I mean? And McDermott said it best. He's like, I'm not here for to be five and four, which unfortunately is also what Jeff Fisher said. This is I'm not here to go seven and nine. Uh, yeah, you want to know something, three. Nick? It's funny you bring, yo. It's funny you bring up Jeff Fisher. Because this is the fucking Jeff Fisher blueprint in the making. If you, it could go that way totally. Because Jeff Fisher, well, you know, you got to give a quarterback three or four years. You know what we should do? Pull the quarterback. Why? I, I don't. I, you know what I mean? Like, dude. Ah, uh, and, and I'll, I'll be honest. I don't like to say it too much, but I'm the imbecile that's got eighteen hundred bucks up front to the fucking bills with three season tickets, and I like have friends who they come and don't. And you know what I mean? It's like tickets are easy to get rid of, but at the same time, I'm probably eating like four hundred bucks at the end of the year, like an idiot. You know, I'm probably gonna get rid of the third ticket permanently. But it's like, you know, Dude, you got to keep that because, I mean, we're about to rise and that ticket's going to bring you such yeah. a such a wealth of fortune. So. Streak, especially that Colts game where it's like, hey, we can win this game. That's where you're going to make your money. Well, I'm just saying, honestly, that's why I bought it was so I could get like a little bit of equity back to myself because a lot of people do like a single ticket. But at the same time, honestly, I get enjoyment out of bringing Mike to the game or anybody, you know. And Nick, it's like I don't always get to make it over to the tailgate lately because, bro, I'll be honest, man, I don't give a fuck that much to leave past or earlier than 930. He's lazy or, shit is what he's yo, saying. Yo, man, I am so lazy. Bad. Son, it gets hard. I did it for the Browns and the Dolphins <laughs> last year. You're getting old, man. You're and, getting and, old. Dude, they yeah, me, you're man. definitely getting old, Dave. You're definitely the oldest. No, you're not the oldest on the phone, but. Yeah, yeah, I'm know. 33. Oh, yeah, you're the oldest on the phone, then. Yeah, like I said. Yeah, dude, I got like, I'm getting salt and pepper. You know, I'm getting there. I'm getting there, but I mean, guys, what I want to say is I, I just don't trust that this this coaching staff has proven to me nothing offensively well, that they can one get their shit together and for two uh, draft players to fit their fucking stupid system because then when it doesn't work and we don't trust the process anymore, which your process to me is fall the fucking line or get the fuck out, but you have nothing to show for it. Well, that's what I don't understand when they come through the door. I mean, it's it's normal to come in and be like, you know, we're going to do things the way we want to do them. But at the same time, it's also very good to come in and say, okay, 
what did we do good? What did do what do we need to improve on and what can we continue doing? Um and they didn't do that. They just said we're coming in and we're doing it like this and that's that. We're switching this over and we're switching that over. Um, which is fine, but the only problem you is is when you switch anything completely over and you flip it over and you kick it down the street, you would need different players to adapt to those playing styles. Like all players, all athletes and all sports, they have different styles and different techniques. And in football, when you have a team and a group of players, they can perform at a certain level and they can do certain things. They can't do everything. No, you can't take any team in the NFL, change their playbook and say, okay, go out there and get them this week, guys. It's not going to work. Like Bill Belichick does, he game plans specifically for the team. He'll see a team, he'll take what his team can do well and he'll target that weakness. He'll take out that key player and say, look, if you're going to beat us, this player is not going to beat us on defense. And on offense, you're very weak here. So if we have to, we'll run 40 times if you're weak on the inside. We'll run right at your weakness all game long. Or they'll say, you have weak wide receivers. We're going to attack those corners all day long. We'll let our wide receivers catch 15, 16 passes today on the outside, intermediate to downfield, if that's what you lack in. If it's you're weak over the downfield. middle. Exactly. So Against the Bills in uh, the first Super Bowl, his game plan's in the Hall of Fame right now because he said, Jim Kelly's the reason this team's in the Super Bowl. If they're going to beat us, they're going to beat us with Thurman Thomas. When Buffalo didn't change their offensive strategy, that's why it was 20-19 and 19 and not 49 to 20 there. Exactly. They didn't They didn't adapt. They didn't change. And if you're talking about the Giants game, obviously Thurman Thomas had a rough go of it. Yeah. And we were still in there right to the very end. It's just bad karma there that uh, Scott Norwood happened to miss that field goal. Too bad for him. That's, that's a heartbreaker. But um, exactly. And that's what I don't get. Like, if I were even hiring people, I'd want to know what your game plan was. And they're kind of going down the Chip Kelly route. We do things this way, but to do them the way we want them, we need these types of players. We need this specific player. And, like, if you're going out there and you're like, well, I need a player that can do this, and he has to be athletic, and he has to it, – it's too complicated, Yo, too Mike, much. Mike, Mike, I got to so. gotta jump in here because a couple things bother me that, that came to mind. And, and it's like – I don't want to whoop on him because he's a rookie. Let's be real. How many fucking balls does Zay Jones drop? Okay. Well, that's another thing. You know what I mean? Like, like, let's be real. How many? It's not all on Tyrod Taylor, which that's why it's so shocking to all the people that it is shocking to. Some people wanted it to happen before the season started. But, I mean, it's not his fault that, you know, Zay Jones, what game was it? They had the game-winning touchdown against Carolina in the end zone. If he runs through that ball, he's going to catch it. And if he doesn't break off and turn, he's not even reaching for it. That's just a run straight through the end zone, catch the ball, touchdown, game over. All right, all right, Mike, Mike, He Mike. didn't do that. Mike, so follow me, and then I'm going to have Nick rebuttal on this. So follow this rabbit right, hole I'm me, gonna okay? I'm going to take a shot of fireballs. All right, have salute, it. My I have it. Salute. So look at it. Um, my, here's what's great is like 
I feel for Zay. I'm stoked for him. I want his confidence built up. People think I want him benched because no, yada, yada, yada. It's like, no, no, no. He already saw the NFL game. If there's a guy who's playing better, you put him in there, okay? That said, I'm excited for Zay because he looked confident. And now I remember preseason Zay and Peterman hooking up a lot in camp. I was good. Cool, cool, cool. Here's what I'm getting at, though, is you have... Uh, statistically, if people want to be the stats guys here, oh, look at Tyrod's numbers. Okay, look at Zay Jones' numbers. You have an offensive coordinator who does not have a wide receivers coach, which is, oh, his wide receivers coach is, oh, the one from his college, which I was stoked, and I predicted live that they would get Zay Jones. I was like, Dave, who are you going to get? I, Zay Jones is up there, East Carolina, whatever the hell you want to say. Yada, yada, yada. Line up with the coach. Boom. One day do, they did it. It's the luckiest day of my life. Cool. Point being, they've done nothing to prove to me offensively that they can. Starts in the trenches, right? That's what all football heads say. It starts in the trenches. Well, the offensive line can't do shit, and they plug the square peg of Dukas in with those five and will not stop. Um, then from there, well, what are the tight ends doing? Well, our main guy gets hurt. The tight ends were looking promising. Come to find out, Kevin won. Cover one, uh, Kevin Masseri there says, uh, lockdown bills, Masseri, that pretty much Knuckle Leary rates out a little bit overrated. Um, and the wide receivers don't do shit. So you have a wide receiver that's unprepared that you drafted, okay? And you have no one that can run anything. Well, to cut you off right there, it's not that he was unprepared. It's he shouldn't have came in and at any point been the number one receiver. That was the problem. Like, he was never meant to be the number one receiver. He had a perfect situation when he signed that draft day with the Bills. He was going to be the slot receiver. You had two outside receivers when Bolden, you know, signed. And then, like I said, Bolden bolted when uh, they're, like, shipped uh, Sammy Watkins out there. He knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Nick, are you there? Yeah. No, it's just that – he kind of got thrown to the fire because he had the talent, but he just didn't have the mental capacity because he's coming from a completely different system and completely different competition at East Carolina. You're not exactly playing Alabama and East Carolina here, which is happening with the NFL. Um, it, it was just kind of too much too soon for him almost. And then, I mean, he had one drop, and you're going to have those. It happens. And he really took it to heart, and he was just kind of checked out for the next, what, four or five games from dropping that ball in Carolina. It just was in his head. He couldn't do anything. He just needed to like, wake the fuck up. He is basically the wide receiver yet. Um, They're just unprepared, Nick. They've done nothing to warrant that they know that this is a good idea. That said... It's a good spark. I think it's more of their goalie move in hockey, honestly. I think it's unorthodox. People don't expect it. And guess what? There's only 32 jobs, okay? And at the end of the day, if Nate Peterman stinks it up, now's the time to figure it out, man. This is a good time. If the playoffs do suck, you know what I mean? Like, if these other teams, the Dolphins and the Ravens are... Are in the way, and we have the the whole ASC ahead of us. McDermott, buddy, show me what's up. Okay. I, I think. I think. Go ahead, Nick. I was say, who the fuck knows? Maybe Peterson, Peterman throws for three forty and two touchdowns, and all of a sudden, everybody across the league is benching their fucking quarterback for a rookie out of nowhere because this is a copycat league. 
You could do that with you could do that with Dak Prescott when you got an offensive line where guys know how to put them into position to succeed. That's the first thing of coaching. Is incredible in Dallas. Anybody can play fucking running back and quarterback there. Yeah, but dude, it's atrocious in Buffalo. But if they change up the scheme just a little bit and they start targeting more quick passes, the thing that I've been shocked at is you have this line and they're letting everybody in like a flood. You're not doing any screen passes either. Like, a great way to get a team that's just so hungry for the quarterback, screen. They think they're beating you all the time. So, for you to brush by them, they're like, hey, nothing's new here. Now you can set up a nice screen downfield. You get some blocks. You can put the ball in, you know, playmaker's hands, and you can make big plays. So, if they change up the scheme this weekend, they still have a chance to beat – the Chargers, who are nothing special, um, and you never know. I mean, at this point, I think going into their decision, they have seen Tyrod Taylor for nine games this year, and although we all think he should still be a starter, they're also thinking long-term, and they're like, look, I don't think this guy's going to be with us next year. We've seen enough this year where we don't think that this is enough Although it's hard to really judge when you have the line performing and the run game performing as it is, there must be other things that they can see in film where he may have missed too many opportunities, whether it's throwing the ball downfield or his unwillingness to throw when a player is slightly covered. Because good quarterbacks in the NFL, if a player is covered – one-on-one, you can throw open a receiver, you know, not all the time, but it's something you can do based on where you position the ball, whether high, low, inside, outside, based on the route that they're running. So if it's one-on-one and you're downfield, you can throw it to a place where only your receiver has an opportunity to get it. And if they don't, it's incomplete. And, You know, it's a safe throw, but it's a very rewarding throw at the same time if you do complete it. So if Nathan Peterman can show that he can make those throws, which he did actually show at Pittsburgh. I mean, given the teams that he had to play and the team he played with, he overexceeded for his time in Pittsburgh. And, I mean, a couple good quarterbacks has come from there. Most notably, Van Pelt, yeah. but Yo, you gotta, Dan Marino you gotta, also you gotta, came from you, there. So you gotta relax a little bit, Mike. So I gotta back you up, and I gotta shoot it to Nick. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, all right. So, so, I'm so, so, so check yeah, it, guys. I gotta actually take off. I'm, uh, I'm at Huntington right now. So, all right, Nick, have a, have a good one, man. So, uh, right, thanks, Nick. Good talk. Right, I gotta see you too, man. We got to tell Coach News that we had the conversation that he made fun of us. Our entire fucking JV junior high football career for it. <laughs> That's so yeah, funny. Yeah, Coach Nuge is the man. Yes. Take care, guys. Love you. See you, man. Love you too. All right. So, so Mike. So check this out. I think it check is. It. I think it's like. Uh, I, Boom! I, I, I'm I'm now you brought up something great to me, and I think it might have been—I don't want to put words in Kevin's mouth, but I thought actually we were on the phone together, and we were we talking. Were. We were talking, and it was like 
You know, mm-hmm. they're not doing anything to protect Tyrod Taylor. They are not Nothing. putting a tight end to help out Cordy Glenn. It's when not he's- even just the protection. They're not even calling plays that would be conducive. Like, I think, like, you mentioned earlier, like, they opened the ball and his eyes were immediately going to – um, LaShawn McCoy to make a pass out of that. And we club. know he can't audible. It's been mentioned. That, He's not yeah, allowed. That, like a seven-year veteran cannot audible a play. Get out of here. Get yeah, go. That, Get out of that, here. That's just not like I don't even care who my quarterback was. Like if I'm going to throw a quarterback out there, he has to be able to audible. Like if you can't audible and you can't say – Shouldn't it be in the league? We have a run play and – they're going to stuff the shit out of this play. We need to do something different. Like, at the very least, they can say, well, if you have this situation, you can do these plays, like a set number of audibles that he's allowed to do. They don't even have that. And, like, I couldn't imagine, like, I think of it in terms of, like, playing video games in Madden. I could never imagine playing Madden with you call a play, they call a defense, you go out there and you just run the play. No audibles, no adjustments, no nothing. Like, I couldn't do it because there's so many times where I walk up to the line of scrimmage and I'm looking at the coverage out there. I'm like, this play is not going to work. Like, and I'm just a, an old kid that used to play high school football and I can literally see the defense and I can say, the play that I call is not going to work based on the alignment that they're showing me right now, there's no chance I have at production. And I audible, switch a route, do something. And right, and Mike, we're sitting there right next to each other. I go, Mike, first play of the game, that, that play. It's like, uh, Calvin Benjamin, like, yo, yo, Calvin Benjamin, it's one-on-one. Even Scott Campbell, I said, yo, yo. And I'm like, holy shit, there it is, right? Nope, let's get cute and do something we can't do. You know, and it's like you. Th- this team does not have a go-to. What do we do while playing? Offensive co- coordinator Dennison said on in the interview, he's like, "Man, I got on in his press today. Like, I got on the phone right away with uh, with Juan. Meaning Juan Castillo was the guy they hired first, which was a run game coordinator. And not for nothing, hey, it's going to be. It, it could be like some kind of conspiracy, right? Yeah, I'm gonna throw this shit on the wall, right? Yeah, throw conspiracy. Here, here, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Go deep if too, they, like, if they totally, if, if they totally revamp this offense and actually give this line help and do the right fucking things with the screen games, this and that, it shows to me that they wanted Tyrod Taylor to not succeed right from the bat because they have made him save himself. And that said, I mean, Nate Geary was talking about it on the Lockdown Bills podcast with Aaron Quinn. Um, I was listening to it a couple days ago, and, and I'll tell you, man, it's uh, kind of crazy that if, if you think about it, Nathan Peterman gets in there, which we didn't see, and all of a sudden, there's the timing routes that are getting nailed that weren't, and the same coverages, cover six, you know, so it's like, he was saying, Tyrod Taylor was thrown against the same coverages, and you know... If there's one thing that we have to be objective about as a Bills fan is... I can't we have be to objective look at- when it's the last draft of the play, though. You can't say someone was throwing against the same coverages because the effort when you're up 
37 points or how many how many points were they up at the time? It was like 37 to 3 uh-huh. or whatever it was. When you're fucking whooping the other team, the only scenario in which you are on complete lockdown mode for the entire game as a defensive player is when you're posting a shutout. If you're the defensive player and it's late in the game and you're up 30 points and it's a guaranteed victory and it's not a shutout, you really don't care. Yeah, you're going to play defense, but you're not going to play like you played the first three quarters. You're not. It's that No one's going to do that. If they were protecting a shutout, then I would say you can compare that as apples to apples, but they were not. So the defensive coverage on that drive that Peterman had – it was lax. I watched it, you know, and yes, he was making throws, but it was not the same defense that Tyrod Taylor was playing. It was not the same let's go gung-ho at the quarterback. It wasn't. So, I'm just not going to give the offensive coaching staff that much credit if they if Nathan Peterman is getting totally a totally different offense thrown at him. As in like, okay, we're going to keep a tight end in here to, you know, Help well, whatever tackles getting blown Peterman by. Did, Peterman did do an NFL style. Um, he was an NFL style quarterback in college. That's what they run over in Pittsburgh. Same thing they run over in Florida State, where what they run is very similar to what you would run in the NFL. You make multiple reads instead of zone reads, which is no read, and you throw to who they tell you to throw to, or you make one read and then throw. Um, he, he made multiple reads in college, so he's used to doing that. Um, so we'll see. Like I said, it, it is possible that they've seen something, and while it's a marginal difference, it could be – if you speak in the hypothetical, if they saw that Nathan Peterman was maybe fractional better in their mind – than Tyrod Taylor going into the season based on the way they were going to run the offense, they're not going to start him because he's a rookie. Okay. Um, the old, you don't start a rookie day one. It's true. Cause it's, it, it can be overwhelming for anybody. Um, so at this point, if they honestly do think that, then we could be in for a treat this weekend because there won't be a letdown because it's going to be a different offense because clearly he cannot be as evasive as Tyrod Taylor. Um, Tyrod Taylor is very fast. He's elusive. Dude, I don't know, man. Peterman, Peterman can get out of his own way. I'll tell you that. He, he can, but I, the, the, the difference in their Yo, hey, hey, the, there the, the number The number two pass rush in the NFL. <laughs> okay. Is going to be, and this is a tall task, okay? This is a tall task, and I am not trusting the process. But, hey, this is one of those things where it could be maybe behind the scenes, McDermott's like, yo, Denny, what the fuck? Like, Rico, what are we doing here? Okay? What if that's a conversation? He's having that conversation. There's no way. He's not asking him, why right, so are we me, doing this? Why, so, why, why? Let me take the next spot. He goes, look at Peterman. The ball is out. He's decisive. He knows where to go. The ball is out. I'm telling you, Peterman did not look 
rookie shit at all at camp. We've gone to a lot of camps together, Mike. Like, he didn't. You know what I mean? He did not seem like a drop-off at all. And he looked better than Cardale Jones when he was in camp with the Bills. You know what I mean? Like, last season. Yeah, Cardale was the dumpster fire. Right. So, it's like, for me, I... I don't know, man. It, it, it totally is different with Peterman. No, I mean, it, but it, it, they, they it, look at. I'm just saying, Dennison is getting his way. Then, right? Well, if Dennison at the beginning thought Peterman was the guy for his offense and the team would be that much more productive, this is that would be the one thing he can go to. You know, McDermott and say, look, I wanted this guy to be the guy from the start. You guys made the decision to start this guy. Although I like him, he just doesn't fit the offense. It's all about fitting the offensive style. And maybe Tyrod Taylor doesn't fit his particular style. And Peterman, even though he's a rookie, fits it better. If he performs at a high level... Dennison gets to keep his job. If he doesn't, and it's abysmal, and he is the guy that asked for this, even though McDermott said on TV it was his decision and his alone, um, he'll be fired. There's no question about that. They've been anemic. They have not put up numbers like they did last season, and it's not like there's many different parts beyond Sammy Watkins Hey, and, you want to do something hey, fun? You want to do something Woods fun? Woods is a monster. Hey, yeah, well, that's you want to do something fun? We should, you and I should hang out one day, and we could probably do this on like Facebook Live and have a conversation. We'll set it up, and you can come over. I have your name on a little bar. I go do those Facebook Live shows, and we'll promote it, and we'll figure out what other coaches were available. <laughs> That the that McDermott with his big fucking notebook maybe could have hired. Just just saying, going off of what well, we knew. It's revisionist history. But if you're Lashawn McCoy and everybody else in that locker room, you gotta be like, what the fuck are we doing? Like we're really trading Sammy Watkins. And Nick has a friend that works at Shooters who I guess was saying that they would hang with Watkins a little bit and was praising. The team saying, like, I want to just do this for Buffalo. I want to do it for the fan. Like, all sorts of shit. So you can't tell me Sammy Watkins didn't want to buy in because I personally saw Sammy Watkins shuffling his fucking feet off to the locker room where other people the, couldn't be. You the, know what I'm saying? The, like, only, the only problem with Sammy Watkins is Sammy was going to want to get paid. And he was going to want to get paid He's already lot. here and you already have chemistry with them. That's the thing is they put Dukas in the lineup. And you already have a guy who's cheap and a third-round pick in Miller. And here you are. It's like, I don't understand. And, and, and if they do start protecting Tyrod or uh, Nathan Peterman a lot differently, it's going to show to me that they wanted the golden boy in the whole time. Oh, yeah. If they start protecting with uh, six, seven pass yep. uh, defenders, I mean, yeah, it's clear that it's – I mean, as clear as it seems, it's almost as if they're saying, well, Nathan Peterman's not as athletic. We need these guys because he can't do that particular thing that Tyrod Taylor can do, which is get out of the pocket if needed. Um, But 
I think they just I think they just pretty much hung Tyrod out there to dry is what I'm saying. Well, is is mean, okay, dude. As, you want to be an NFL quarterback? As much quarterback? as they did, I'm not gonna just let Tyrod Taylor off the hook either, because there were times where he would use his ability phenomenally get out of the pocket and then he would be rolling out and he would have open wide receivers. The thing he did not do, he did not stop and gather his feet and throw the ball. Now, I feel like that's something you can coach up on. Like you can watch film and say, hey, Tyrod Taylor, you had plenty of time to stop right where you were and deliver a more precise pass. And there are several occasions that I can look at throughout the course of the year where he did that, where I watched him like, Tyrod, set your feet. You had him. Yes. He was wide open. It was a first down. Um, I will say, I big. will say, I will say, like, you know, we were talking about it together, and it's like the first thing I look at when there's an errant pass is where were his feet? And it's it sounds so stupid. Because everybody thinks that, like, everything is all rocket science, this and that. And it's like, you have to be absolutely dumb not to pick up yeah, hints like, of football. Yeah, if you don't know, go outside, play catch with your friend. And every pass you throw, either throw off your back leg or across your body. And then you'll start to understand that it's a lot harder to hit your target than it is if you stand there, plant your foot, point your toe at your target, and deliver the pass. Like, and that's anyone. Now, granted, pro athletes can do it far better than a normal person, but it doesn't matter. You're still going to see a huge range when you're thrown off the back foot or you're thrown on the run. Like, yeah, some quarterbacks can make an on-the-run throw, but they can't make it at the rate they can if they just stand there, point the toe, come through over top with the ball. So, right. hey. The good thing is, who knows? I'm hoping that they did see things that we were not privy to, okay? With the amount of film study and the amount of practices and seeing these guys every day and practices that were not available to the public, I hope they saw something there that truly warranted this because if they did, and there was, we're going to be fine this weekend. We're not going to notice any difference as a team because at the very worst, the offense is going to be just as inept as it's been. So it's not like they can be any worse than they've been the last two weeks. So that's the one thing they got on their side. It's not like they can do any worse than they've been the last two weeks. All I know is this, Mike, is Sean McDermott is really betting on Dennison. At the same time, if you want to be objective about it, look at the next play, right? If you look at the next play and you want to be tactical about it, the smart move really is to do this. It really oh, is. Yeah. You need to get a proper event. You need to solve it this season. Well, and-, and that was the other thing that I was going to go into. At this point, if they feel that Tyrod Taylor is not going to be their future quarterback, whether they think they're going to make the playoffs, you can clearly see that although we're all Bills fans and we want to make the playoffs, we don't have a Super Bowl team, okay? And they're coaching. They want to win that game. They don't want to make it to the playoffs. They want to win a Super Bowl. And after nine games, they can say, okay, Tyrod right is here. who he is. He's not getting he rid of the ball. He is who he is. He can, he can 
be if he's on a good team with a good defense and good players around him, he can manage a game very well. He can create opportunities that certain quarterbacks in the league cannot, and he can lead us. Hey, hey, Mike, Mike, if you if you roll out with Tyrod Taylor, right, which they don't do anymore. Um, you know, you can actually mask offensive line woes, right? That's what good coaches do, Dave. They take players' strengths and weaknesses, and they somehow try to figure out what works best for them. Again, I mean, people attach themselves to personalities, like get Rex Ryan faster than he came in, and, and that guy's got to be chuckling with his big fucking teeth right now, okay? Because this is, this feels more of a dumpster fire right now than ever. I'm dumpster sorry. Fire, dumpster fire. I'm sorry, man. It's fire, if this fire, fails, it looks like the Browns. Fire, I'm a, fire, fire, dumpster. No, the thing is that that they're doing at a rate that I've never seen any coach do. They do not want any of Doug Whaley's players on the team. Like I feel like the only person that's safe in the locker room is Kyle Williams, and that's only because he's been there so long and he puts in work. Like when I used to work over at the stadium and or not the stadium, but St. John Fisher and uh, training camp, Kyle Williams was a real cool guy. Like if you saw Kyle Williams, he'd be like, Hey, how you doing? And he didn't look like a pro bowl potential hall of fame athlete. Um, he was just a, a real cool low key guy. So shout out to Kyle Williams. Nice. But, Mike. Um, hey, you know, bring a little extra perspective around here. But yeah, no, they do not want any of Doug Whaley's players. Like they're, they're, the players that Doug Whaley actually um, went out there and drafted, there's not a lot of them left. Okay, so they they want to get away from that style into their own style, which most coaches do a little slower and it's natural over time. They're kind of just like, boom, 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 boom. Just kicking everybody out. Right. But, uh, Hey, dude, I, I, I don't got know. A little, I don't know, man. A little hope for the weekend. A little hope. So what do you think? Shine. What do you think? Uh, I mean, you, we got a few minutes. I'm just sitting here typing up a description. I mean, do you want to rail on this matchup? You got some ideas? I mean, I might even be able to possibly podcast with you tomorrow and do a fantasy football one. Or hey, yeah, I mean, do you want to do? You want to double up the podcast and just make it mad longer? Do you want to kill this podcast, cut off the last end, splice an ending on? Well, honestly, what I got to do, what I honestly got to do, is my girlfriend is playing a show at the Bunker tonight, and I have to upload this, and then tomorrow I'm scheduled to work. Uh, I mean, I'm yeah, I got work too tomorrow. What this time is you work? Busy time of the year. What time you work until, dude? Uh, you know me. I got to go to Newark. I got a treadmill out in Newark, and then I just have to stand up. Oh, basketball. oh! Why, so, don't you, why don't you tell the fans what you did? What Who, I did? Whose house did you install something at? Whose house? Did, oh, <laughs> um. He still was employed. Yeah, but not by the Bills. Yeah, he was when you went there. I know. What's his name? Doug Whaley. Oh, no, he wasn't the only one. <laughs> yeah, I did install something at Doug Whaley's house. I was thinking of the defensive back. What's his name? Um, safety for the Bills. He was there last year. He's not there this year. Aaron Williams? Uh, no, the other Corey one. Corey Graham? Uh, 
Corey Graham. So at Corey Graham's house is very interesting. Like, and it's ingenious. I don't know where he picked this up, but he had the alphabet just all scattered across his place, his house. And good for him because he was living a modest life in Buffalo. Like he was living in a normal housing track. He, I mean, I'm guessing the max value of those homes were 300,000. It's not like he was living like this lavish lifestyle. Um, so that was cool. Although he was actually working. Like when I saw Corey Graham, I'm like, Oh, that's funny. He's a Buffalo bill. And I'm like, whatever. But I scheduled the job, not thinking it was actually Corey Graham. Cause had I done that, I would have tried to schedule at a time when I thought he would have been home. Um, which it didn't. So I went there and I, and I saw pictures of him. Like it's clearly his house. It'd be a little awkward that they have all these touching moment photos and it's not Corey Graham's place. But, um, it was interesting. And oddly enough, I think his daughter was playing hooky that day. Cause she was home and she didn't look very sick. And we've all played hooky once or twice before in our lives. And I can tell when someone's faking. So, so that was one thing. I've always wanted to ask him how the Max trainer feels when he works on it because it whoops my ass. So um, if he can do it better than me, he should be able to because he's a pro athlete. But, um, yeah, but the Whaley's, um, when I went over there again, I didn't know it was the Whaley's place. And um, I scheduled it, and apparently – Doug and Stephanie Whaley happened to be out of town at the time. They had the nanny at the house. And um, they, it's hard to say because they were living in like a nice little condo type thing. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to say if they were living lavishly or not. I mean, they were really nice, but I don't think, I'm not talking like New York City loft nice. You know what I mean? That because. I'm sure Buffalo is far cheaper than New York City, but um, it was very nice where they were. And, you know, I tried to give them some pointers, but they didn't take my one pointer, and he had no say at the draft anyway, so it really didn't matter. Because I told them to draft Kelly's uh, nephew uh, the last pick of the draft, and they did it. Yeah, you, you want to know something? I take that right now. All right. <laughs> I have dogs, people. Well, Mike, I'm going to let you go. Um, everybody, check out numbillsfan.com. Also, don't forget, brought to you by Punch Drunk Sports Network. That's coming soon. So, punchdrunksports.com as well. And great sports podcast. I love listening to him. We just had Jason Tebow on about a month ago for Falcons Preview. Sam Tripoli is great. Our Shafir is so funny. Um, rolling, listen to him with Joe Rogan and Tom Segura. Um and Burt Kreischer on a on a Rogan podcast from a couple weeks ago. I it's it's crazy that I get to say that I'm with their sports network. That's cool. So Grand State Sports Network, thank you for putting me out there on the sidelines at camp and for follow along for more lockdown podcasts. Great stuff over there on GrandSandSportsNetwork.com. Mike, you have anything else left for the people? Stay casual, upstate New York. We're all good up here. Have a good one. All right. Uh, you heard it there. I'm your host, David Palermo. That's Mike, the regular guy. 
The regular guy, yeah. Kind of like regular show, regular guy. Yeah, subscribe yeah, yeah, yeah. on iTunes. Please subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review. Maybe I'll send you something cool. I'll pick a random thing and send you some merchandise or something. So, yeah, sign up your friends, too. Have fun with it. Yeah, really. Sign you know, everybody take up. Take their phones. Sign them up, too. Have a good one. All right, see you.